I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network. cigarette as randy hauser would say from the left hand what does that even mean randy hauser has a song where he's like i take a long he's like i take a long drag from the cigarette in my left hand or whatever he said it's some smoking from oh, the left hand. that chumbawamba song yeah exactly i get knocked down i get up again but yeah randy hauser produced that i think yeah yeah one of his greatest hits mm-hmm. it's on the best of album Oh, hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. It feels like it's been a lifetime. It's been a long time. It's only been like, what, two and a half weeks? Three weeks? Dude, it feels like it's been longer than that. It does feel like it's been longer than that. But that is why we take that last half of December off, because it's a nice break. It just works out. Everyone's busy anyways. Yeah, uh, yeah. But here we are. Episode 146 of Snakes and Stogies, which is brought to you once again by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Getting me another XR16 rack here. I was just telling Phil. I'm going to do it up. I'm going to get an XR16. And then I'm trying to decide if I'm going to get all V35s or if I'm going to do like half V35s and then split the other two sizes do like a quarter each on those for just to have them like not even you know for like breeding stuff this year like having a hatchling rack like a dedicated where i can get hatchlings future endeavors yes yeah and then have the other tubs where if the stuff that i hold on to like it can get upgraded as it as it grows and it gets uh bumped up to the to the v18s and then the v35s and then eventually uh adult setup so very excited about that. I'm going to get a toe kick. Uh, and I may actually get another one for the existing XR20 I have now. Um, so. Rock and roll. Good. I'm excited. I love, I love, 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 love their cages. Yeah. And it's been confirmed. Uh, my X, XT2's sliders will be shipping it within the next couple weeks. So I got three of them coming. And uh, we'll get into more of that later, but yeah, it's gonna be good. Very excited. Yeah, I'm anxious. I want. I really want to get my hands on on one of those just to see it, you know, firsthand. Yeah. And as you you see cages and stuff online, and I don't. For me, it's always sort of hard to get a accurate sort of grasp of like what the size of it, you know, like the, yeah. the footprint, all that. So, um, when we go up there, hopefully they'll we'll have some put together or something I can at least just look at. And yeah, because uh, oh, yeah. eventually I would love to get that Cambro rack that I have and loathe so much, uh, get everyone that's in that switched over to something like those two footers. Um, Cause they're really just smaller condos that aren't going to get huge anyways. So they yeah. might work in those, but it'd be nice to replace all those with, with cages and uniform. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I may be able to, it might help open up some space too. I don't know that that camera rack is just so in the, like just 
bulky and obnoxious. It does its job. It's great. I love the Cambro tubs, but yeah, I don't even know how we got it fit in that room. It's so tall. It's ridiculous. <laughs> There's literally four inches of clearance from that thing to the ceiling. Like it's like seven feet and change. It's crazy. Yeah. And for, for, I mean, you're a tall guy, man. And like that rack is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Obscene. Obscene. Uh, so if you're needing a cage, or you need an rack, you need to head on over to Black Box, either their Facebook, Instagram, website, hit them up, see what they got. Lead times are still, I think, within two weeks, approximate. Um, so they just did an awesome giveaway for, I think, pretty much the month of December. Yeah. Uh, that was a six-foot enclosure, one of their six-footers, um, which is awesome. So, um if you go and follow them, you stay in the loop on that stuff and check it out. Uh, and then go over to Puget Sound Pythons, the good people of the Pacific Northwest, and give them a follow and stay in the loop with what they're doing. Um, PSP. What were, Man, they were doing something the other day. I was like jealous. Everything they do, man. Mountain they, they, hiking. They were like out at the range or something. Shooting guns, playing with like, the cool was, snakes. It was something... Who's better than that? Cool. I don't know. I don't remember what it was. I'd have to go back. But looked like fun. So (sighs) we're back. We're back. Back in the saddle again. Um, On this this inaugural 2023 episode. I got a big boy. I got a La Bomba. Oh. 601. And I don't know what happened, but I V cut it. And I guess, I don't know if it was just like a big vein or like an air pocket or something, but look at that. Yeah, it was probably a, like a, a one of those main sort of veins that runs. Yeah. So we'll see how it holds up. I got plenty of stuff in reserve, so. Uh, I have a Espinosa Wasabi, which is a oh. Andela. Figured we'd start off. It looks, it may actually have. Maybe a double wrap because the top has a cap that's like a Maduro or a natural. Interesting. I don't know. Something different. Espinosa does decent stuff. Uh, yeah. I really like. Um, no, it's Viaje I'm thinking of. So Espinosa does awesome stuff. Espinosa does the, the Mercy Alago, which is amazing. Um, I don't think I've really had anything from Espinosa that I didn't like. Like all their stuff has been really solid. And even with the, you know, the amount of, Stuff in their their portfolio, um, it's all been really solid. Some of it, you know, may not be life changing or anything like that, but everything I've had from them, I I enjoyed. Uh, and so when I'm done with that, I have a Tatuaje Ten, which is one of my personal favorites from Tatuaje. Haven't had one in a really long time. Went to a cigar shop uh, on the other side of the county with some family because they were in town for Christmas, and snagged one. Um, so nice. Haven't had one of these in a minute. Does the wasabi actually have hints of wasabi? No, it's just it's a candela wrapper, so it's green. Oh, okay. So that'd be really cool, man, if they could like infuse that wrapper with like mm. I I think it'd be cool. Nah. What's what is that? La Bomba. Uh it's it's a six oh one. 
Do you know what the what the wrapper is on it? Nope. Not a clue. It's uh it's Maduro in color. The filler is of a similar color. Um, it's very veiny on the outside. Yeah, meh. And uh, it has one thing that I always found interesting with these is they they definitely put some kind of coating. I don't know if it's like a um, a gelatin or something, but every time I every time I get one of these, the the wrappers are always a golden amber wrapper, always. And when you look at the cigar, like I mean, I'll hold it to the camera best we can, but you're probably not gonna be able to see it. There's like a oh, right there, you see there's like a little waxy coloration. Yeah, that's pectin. Is it? That's what they uh, that's what they use to put like the cap on. So whoever's rolling that, I guess they're just it's on their table. It's just okay messy. That's all. Well, every single one I've ever had has that, and uh, I always I always wonder if that is what makes the wrappers nice and amber. I mean, it's possible. I don't I don't know. I've, I've seen it on some other other stuff as well, um, other brands, and it's just it's what they use to put the cap on. Yeah, on the end there that you that you cut. Yeah. It's actually old man saliva. That's what it is. It's what gives it the amber color and the flavor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I um, I have I have no idea what the, what this one's comprised of, but it's it's good. It's just peppery enough and got a good tobacco taste and rock and roll, right? Yeah, uh, Candela's too. I think I've talked about them in the past. You don't see too many of them. Uh, basically, instead of it being aged and fermented super dark, like you see with Maduro's, it's the opposite. It's it's still green. Um, so as a result, it has a sort of leafier, greeny, hayish grass flavor to it, which some people like, some people don't. I don't mind it. Uh, and it is just kind of a harder wrapper to blend with, from what I understand. It's it's not used very often, just because it's. It's not very versatile in terms of flavor, if that makes sense. Sure, um, sure. So we'll see how this one is. I haven't had a ton of Candela's over time, so it's, you know, they're, it's, I don't know how to describe it. They're just, they're much earthier, like grassier, you know, and some people don't, don't like that. So. Yeah, I get it. That's good. Ooh, how was the holidays? Uh, hectic, but very enjoyable. Um, I got three fantastic Hurt books. I got Rick Shine's latest one. I got Amphibians of Florida, which I thought was needed to happen. It's a field guide. Love it. And I uh, had no idea that we had that many amphibs. Super cool. And um, I'm forgetting the other Hurt book. What am I? What? Wow. How did I not remember this? My brain is taking a lapse. This is the... Was it that the, Southeastern one? No. The um, Whit Gibbons. Or was that somebody on. else? I'm losing my brain. Oh, Snakes of Southern Africa. Jesus. Johan Marer's newest volume. So, Which, by the way, he went textbook route too. Um, it's not as massive as it's not as much of a doorstop as the more complete carpet or you know the ipers elaborate book but it's a thick son of a gun and i like how 
it's basically it, it's a field guide, but it is way more expanded on. So instead of it being like half a page or a page per species, it's like three or four pages per species. So that's good though. Yeah, I it's like great. That. It's great. Yeah. So I got that. And uh what about you, man? Any fun presents? Uh, so I got snakes, uh, uh, field guide to snakes of Southeast Asia, which nice. is like a smaller, smaller book. Um, ironically, I got it twice. So I got it from my parents for my birthday, and then I got it from my mother-in-law for Christmas. So That's I have awesome. two. So um, we're gonna have an upcoming raffle, which I'm gonna work on putting together this month for February. And so one of those copies, I just figured I'd just include in the in the raffle because sure. it is actually a really cool little book. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of really cool species and stuff in there that. Um, That's not the one that has the uh, uh, Colic on the cover, is it? It's got a couple species on it. Oh, okay. No, the one I'm thinking of is just a Colic all reared up. No, no. I know which one you're talking about. I have that one, too. That one's an older book. Yeah, yeah. And that one, honestly, I got that off Hamilton for like three bucks, and it was... Yeah, yeah. I wasn't all that impressed with it. It was. It's a book. You know? I think it's it's also like almost 30 years old, too, so... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Got a gift card to Tractor Supply, which is always good because that's where I get all my rodent stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, cash money, which was promptly spent on cigars. It's good. It's good. Um, just other odds and ends. Me and the girls went down to Jacksonville last. Uh, wait, what's today? Today is Monday. Today is Monday. Um, the so second. We- we went to Jacksonville for a couple of days, came back Saturday, went to the zoo, and um, we went to St. Augustine to the alligator farm. Oh, nice. Um, which I hadn't gone to the alligator farm since, like, I don't know, like 2006. So it changed a lot, which is funny because they do, like, the thing where you take the picture with the alligator. And I did that when I was a kid, and so me and Katie made a point for me to take that picture again. Nice. Um, so we ne- but now of course we can't find that older picture. Like we just took it off our fridge a couple couple weeks ago, and now we're like, <laughs> where the hell did it go? Because I was gonna Great. post like both pictures together. Yeah, that's but, fun. Um, yeah, alligator farm was awesome. They've they've got some really cool stuff. Jacksonville Zoo is is good. Um, they had the the Xena Gamma Taylori exhibit, which which is what initially really sparked my interest in that species a handful of years ago. I was back in 2016, I think, when I was there last. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what was funny is they have a like an Africa... So they have... That zoo is separated into sections. So there's right. like an Africa loop, an Asia loop, an Australia loop, and like a South America loop. Uh, and the South... The Africa loop has, a, has its own reptile house, um, which all of them do except Australia for some reason, which was a bummer. Um, and in the Africa loop, they had a massive rock python, but it was housed with like two or three adult plated lizards. Really? Which I just thought was bizarre because it was the, uh, it was funny because like the, the rock python was just sitting right there and like there's literally two adult plated lizards just chilling, eating some lettuce like right in front of its face. Like, <laughs> not a care in the world that's awesome that's um, awesome man i love plate of lizards too they had a gorgeous <clears throat> western green mamba that was out and about um they had like a squam or something last time i was there but that 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 
setup was empty. Um, in the wait, is it the Asia? Yeah, in the Asia loop, they had a nice chondro, and then they had two Ganyasoma oxycephalum together in a s- small cage. Okay. And I kind of felt bad because I was like, you know, those things are freaking out constantly. But at the same time, like, I mean, that's that's kind of why, like, I got the Jansen eye from Zach in the first place. Is like they were meant to be a display animal, but they're really horrible display animals because yeah. they don't come out. And when they do and they see you, they're gone. Like, yep. these oxys just kind of sat there and didn't really have anywhere to go. So I don't know. It was it was kind of a bummer. They looked, I guess, healthy for the most part. Um mm-hmm. Saw a coral snake at the zoo because I'm not going to see one in the wild, apparently. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, and Katie even pointed out and made fun of me. She's like, There's your coral snake. Like, so, how do they have it displayed? Uh, it just a small, if I had to guess, it would have been like a 10 gallon equivalent. Um, okay, with just a like a slab of bark and some pine needles. And I think they they fed it when we were there and it was eating, I think, like a piece of chicken foot or something. You're kidding, it wasn't eating a snake. Because I was looking, because Katie was like, oh, it's eating. And I was like, what'd they feed it? And so I, I was looking, and I mean, I didn't look very very long, because there was a bunch of, like, foreign, foreign folk walking around. Yeah, tourists, and I didn't want to get in the way. No, I mean, like, legit, like, they, there must have been, like, cheap airfare or something from, from Europe over here, because yeah. there was, I've never heard so many different languages being spoken, spoken <laughs> at the same time. It was, it was pretty, pretty intense. Um and so I was like, you know, trying to get out of the way because there was a guy that was like reading all the plaques and stuff. And I'm like, okay, dude. Um, but that man, that coral snake was so, man, it was a good looking coral. And I showed Katie the pygmy rattlers and I was like, look at how big they get. That's it. That's all. Like, Come on. We saw, Not getting it. we saw two. We saw two because we went to, when we first got to Jacksonville, we went to, was it Tree Hill? Tree Nut Hill, some nature preserve. That's where the Rattlesnake Conservancy is operating out of now, like where right. the classroom is. And they had a pygmy rattlesnake in there. And I went and I looked at Katie and I was like, look, that's an adult. And she's like, okay. I was like, damn it. What's your, what's your point? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, that's good though, man. It's good you get the family out and good you get the family out in some herp, herptastic field tripping. Yeah, and you know what's what's even funnier about the the rattlesnake conservancy thing is like i remember so that building is old from like the 70s and so it's got a very bizarre layout so there's like this spiraling ramp that goes to the top of the building upstairs and i remember i walked up there and i looked over and i'm like that looks really familiar like the just the doorway and stuff and like the paint and the background i'm like what is and then i saw it on the door it says the rattlesnake conservancy and i was like no shit I was like that's they just like they literally just moved into that spot within the last like year. Yeah. And I was like, that looks super familiar. And then I was like, what? I was like, we just happened to be in the same place that they moved to. Like I I didn't yeah. go there oh, on so purpose. You didn't plan on it. I didn't know. Oh, just, that's we awesome. found it. It said it had, you know, trails and stuff, which we walked, but it it had all, you know, it was a cool little park. It had some goats and chickens and odds and ends and stuff and uh an owl, which was pretty cool. And then yeah, like we were in stairs, and I was I went upstairs to go look around because they said they had snakes and stuff, and I was like, oh, I gotta find out and see what see what's up. That's and awesome. it just so happened to be the Rattlesnake Conservancy. I was like, what? It's a really nice little classroom. Super cool, super cool. So they had a couple of adamantias, they had some copperheads, 
a really big cottonmouth, um, pygmy and indigo, a couple of atricodatus. I'm bringing it back. Yeah, bring it back. Wait, you can't bring you can't bring it back because it never left. I gotta I gotta make that shirt still. You do remember that design I put together that I never. Yeah, it's gotta happen. Yeah. It's gotta happen. So that was cool. It was a neat little neat little trip, and then um, the zoo is sort of an all day thing because it's a pretty big zoo, and you're gonna do a lot of walking. Yeah, so I got my steps in that day. Good, good. Um, they have a tiger exhibit, and there was this tiger that kept like pacing, and it would come up to like the one of the windows in the room where you view them, and they have like this slanted glass. And I, of course, the tiger would come up, and then all these kids would come, and they like freak out because the tiger's super close, and so they're like leaning on the glass, like literally like laying on this glass, and I'm like, I was carrying the entire time because I was like. Arambe 2.0 ain't happening, man. Like, yeah, yeah. And so, of course, I'm like, I'm sitting there and I see kids leaning on this glass, and I'm like, this is some some final destination shit's gonna happen where like this glass is just gonna give out and this freaking tiger is gonna be all over the place, and I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to shoot it. <laughs> Me- meanwhile, <laughs> this ha- this happens every single day. Yeah. And well, that's the thing. I'm like, today's today's gonna be the day. <laughs> Today's gonna be yeah. the day that glass gives out, and like yep. as soon as yep. like I saw like three kids, and I mean, granted, they're like fifty pounds at at most. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was like, I just like one laid on it, and then two laid on it, and then three laid on it, and then by the fourth one, I'm like, I'm out. Like this is, <laughs> I'm not gonna be in this room when this thing collapses. <laughs> nice. Uh, and then there was a they had a big black bear, which I thought was funny because it gave me flashbacks to Texas. Nice, good. The kids can fend for themselves. That's right. Mine wasn't. Mine wasn't there on the glass, so I was good. And it was like, mine are, mine's accounted for. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, that's good though, man. That's good. I, uh, Anna Marie, and I divvied up the the holiday season amongst the two families, and did Christmas Eve with all her family, and then Christmas Day with my family, and. Uh, <clears throat> It was fun, man. It was good. She, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm a huge Frank Herbert's Dune fan, and uh, she got me all the original books in one box set, which I thought was great. And because uh, I'm, I don't have the last, I don't have the back three, so uh, that was awesome. So now I have some uh, rereading and reading to do. So that'll be good. And uh, and then same on the Dune kick. My brother got me a for those of you who follow the books and or the new movie. He got me a map of Arrakis, the planet from the from the book, and uh, but it's it's done like an old, like a vintage. I don't want to say pirate, but like an old yeah. world map, you know, like Casey's uh, globe. <clears throat> yes, like Casey's globe. So I got to get that mountain framed. So that was awesome. And yeah, uh, we we use Atricot Datus because we're hoping it will reappear, Scott. <laughs> Joe Rosa says, "Show the map." You want me to get the map? <laughs> and yes, it. Scott, she is too good for me. So I'll grab the map. It's cool for all the Dune um, freaks. Scott, al- Scott also asked, uh, with that further bust up of Gunnysoma, are there issues with captive population genetics? No, it wasn't really a bust up. Um, and I mean, a lot of people don't really agree with it. So I don't know. I was actually talking to. 
the gentleman at his Instagram showcase scales. He's been me and him have been talking a, a good bit about Ganyasoma stuff lately. And he and I got on that topic and I can see where Frenatum and uh Prasinum and um you know those sort of Ganyasoma adjacent species where maybe you could those could be put in with Ganyasoma, like why not? But the rhino thing, I still just, I can't. Physically, you look at those things, like, at least with the Frenatum and the Persinum, like, their eyes look like the true Ganyos. They look like the Oxycephalum and the, and the Jansen eye. Um, but, like, rhinos, you look at that, and they're, they occupy the same space. I think that's about as much similarity, in my opinion, as there is. So, genetics, I would love it if someone, you know, sort of, investigated the whole thing more um from what i understand that study that lumped rhinos in with ganyasoma wasn't very well done i need to go back and read the whole thing again and have a better argument as to why i just i'm not down with it but that's cool trying to move the microphone out of the way hang on You gonna frame it? Yeah, yeah. But I gotta get the right frame. I think what I might actually do is because I'm nerding out with all this cage building and whatnot, uh, trying to make fake rocks and fake sand dunes, which is really, really hard. Um, I think what I'm gonna do is I think I'm gonna get a, a, a thicker frame, and then oh man, the wind just came. Oh, Take your ass to Hobby Lobby. Yeah. Well, I think what I'm gonna do is um, I think I'm gonna take a, a thicker frame and then do like um, fake stone with like spray foam and paint or spray foam and uh, dye and like make the frame look like it's made of sand rock and sandstone. So I think that'll be cool. You know, what's really freaking cool is one of my coworkers got this old map. It's made out of, it's like metal. Like it was done on metal. Mm-hmm. She got it at an auction and she gave it to our boss for Christmas. But she went to go sort of fix the back of it because the back was kind of falling apart. And there was a, I forget which newspaper it was, but there was a newspaper page from like the early 1900s behind this, this map. And so like the frame and everything was like, all of it was original. And this thing, it was, it's freaking cool. I don't know. I like old stuff. That's awesome. Like, that. like I just, the fact that like that thing gets from A to B in one piece, you know, and all the stuff that it's survived and people and things, I don't, I find that interesting. Yeah, that's super cool, super duper cool. Well, but I mean, I, I'm a I'm a Dune fanatic, man, and uh, I've read the first book too many times to count, and uh, I had a Dune Christmas, so that was cool. Didn't they have games too? Like they did. Do you, do you remember like uh, Command and Conquer? Yeah. Or, or like uh, um, any of the Blizzard games, like StarCraft. Mm-hmm. So they never made... played any of them, but I, I'm aware. Okay, so basically like, you build a base, and then like, you get attacked, you build your defenses, and you have to mine stuff. Like one of those games, they made a Dune one back in, I don't even know, I think it was, God, mid to late 90s. And I've been trying to find that game like in an emulator, and I struck out, so... But 
damn royal match got me. I've been playing that. Stupid oh yeah, dick and God, dude, Anna Marie and I when we went when we went on our trip and we got engaged, uh, we started playing chess. I taught her how to play chess, so now we both got on Chess.com's app, and like that's what we do in our spare time because we're fucking nerds. And uh, I have a 18 year old kid. He just turned 18 who works with me, and uh, he saw me playing on a smoke break, and he's like, "Are you playing chess on Chess.com?" I was like, yeah. I was like, you play chess? He's like, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I play a, a you know, I play a little, like he was trying to be cool about he it. I was like, you. Well, I was like, dude, do you play chess or not? Like, you're 18 now. Like, be a fucking man. Do you play chess? Are you a nerd like me? He's like, I'm I'm president of the chess club at school. And I was like, <laughs> oh, really? He's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, my average is like an 1800. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> And, uh, and then he proceeded to tell me how I'm doing very well for not knowing what I'm doing. And <laughs> then he told me, <clears throat> and then he told me that it doesn't matter how much I play now. I should just play to enjoy the game. I'll never be, you'll never be good at it. <laughs> I'll never be good because you can't achieve no one. There's no such thing as a grandmaster who started over the age of 18. Really? Yep. And that's what he said. I, I didn't I didn't fact check him, you know, but he basically said he's like every single grandmaster that's ever existed in the modern era of chess started when they were like four. And that's yeah. And I was like, yeah. So I was like, so you're one of those guys that does like, you know, six or seven moves ahead. He's like, no, we, we try and do like 40 ahead. I was like, excuse me. He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm, 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 I'm pretty bad now because like I party a lot, but he's like, it's a minimum of 25 to 30 ahead. I was like, all right, let's play. <laughs> I mean, it's not that nerdy. Like, I feel like me and Chris nerding out over magic, you know, MTG is, is far nerdier. <clears throat> Look, man, we all have our, our nerd vices. Chess is like the 007 of nerd dumb where it's like, yeah, it's nerdy, but it's like cool. <laughs> like chess is sexy. Like MTG is not sexy. I don't care. Like Warhammer's pretty sexy. Have you seen those cosplayers? That's, that's that is the patience in that and being able to paint those damn figurines is what's impressive. Dude, I stumbled into a Warhammer store in Fort Lauderdale because I was I was looking for Funko Pop. Again, nerd alert. And uh dude, there's a a Star Wars version of Warhammer. Forgive me for not knowing the you know the name of it or whatever, but dude, these guys literally had like a ping pong sized table that was the Battle of Hoth with like little miniature at ats and like cool. the generator and like fake snow and shit. Like these dudes were nuts, man. It I was never awesome. got into Warhammer because I always I was always told at like the game store when we had one that you know you probably can't afford it. I was like, okay. oh, nice, nice. But I looked at the prices on the boxes and like some of these kits and stuff, and I'm like, yep, sticking to the, my cardboard, cardboard crack. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Well, last thing I'll say about Dune: if anybody's ever has not read the book, read the first book. If it wasn't for Dune, you wouldn't have Star Wars and you wouldn't have Star Trek. End of story. Thank you. Yeah. So Scott got me on the whole like Ganyasoma taxonomy thing when you were getting the map. 
How would happen? Yeah, so should there be potentially subgeneric splits? And my answer is, is I think the way they had it set up before whoever it was got their hands on it was completely fine. Yeah, I'd agree. I don't think there was anything wrong with it. Like I was cool with Frenatum being its monotypic. Um, I think it was monotypic, and like Persinum was monotypic, but they were still in that same realm. They were like Ganyasoma adjacent, and uh, I don't, I don't know. The uh, Rhino thing. Pretty much everyone I've talked to is like, yeah, I, I don't get it. So yeah, dude, that's a that's a whole other monster. But before I forget, um, not to switch gears real quick, but what was the enclosure like for the weapon tails at uh, at the zoo? For the tailor eye? Yeah. Uh, so they, I want to say they moved them because I swear a couple years ago when I was there, they had them in a much more squared enclosure. And they had, you know, some rock stacks and sand and they had, I don't know if it was burrows they made or the tailor I've made. Um, but it, it, was it like, a, like you could tell there was a PVC pipe that went in or was it strictly not that I like could see, so they I excavated their own dirt? But at the same time, you can't really tell how deep those yeah. displays go, but past the, you know, the, the decor and the frame stuff on the yeah. outside. Yeah. Um, so this one, it seemed like this one was longer. So like. I don't know how. Maybe the one they were in originally was like an 18 cube, if I had to guess. Now, is it that you don't remember because you were younger, or it's the same enclosure, or did they actually change it up? It's entirely possible that it is the same, but for some reason, I was thinking it was much more squared off in how I remember it. Which, I mean, it was only, okay. like I said, it was only a couple of years ago that I was there, but um, this one was like longer and taller, which they didn't have anything going up like high. Um, and more, you know, rock stacks. And I think there was multiple burrows this time. And they had, like, a group of them together. Cool, man. Uh, and I showed Katie because I was telling her. I was like, man, I've wanted some of these ever since I first saw them. And, you know, I told him there's, like, literally one guy in the U.S. that's even, I think, breeding them on a regular basis. And that's Phil. Yeah. Aired's only. Um, Shut up, PH Podcast. And uh, she's like, oh, those are cool. I was like, yes. That's right. I like them. They are cool. They're friggin' adorable. Yeah, I was like, that's an adult. And I feel like it's the Taylor I are definitely more hardy than some of the other ones, too. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, they just give that vibe. And I think, was Scott asking if they if they had the blue on them or no? Yeah, these weren't, so I don't... I don't know if that was hormonal or... I don't know anything about them, so... I think if they had it, it was males. Okay. I think males had the blue. Okay. Could be could be wrong. Like I said, I love I want them. I don't know a ton about them. Yeah, man, that that whole genius just eludes cool. me. Uh, Scott said so. Realistically, this is where the paper by Smith and Chizar is fantastic. What has happened in Ganyasoma would be the best addressed by subgeneric splits. That way, you can clearly show. Yeah, we should find that paper for next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying is like for Natum and Persinum, I get being in Ganyasoma because like facial structure wise, eye wise, like they look like if you saw them at glance, you'd be like, oh, that that reminds me of an Oxycephalum or a Jansenai. Like yeah, they look cool scenes, cool scenes. Yeah. But then, oh, please do. Um, but then you look at rhinos and you're like, yeah, like it, it's maybe there a little bit, but I don't see it. 
I don't like maybe if you took yeah. the horn off, I don't even then like yeah but you think about like there are some baby rhinos that don't have that of pronounced a horn or that that have pronounced a schnoz you know what i mean and it, it, it they don't look alike man what's even more bizarre is when they're when they're babies their eye like their pupils are vertical really i didn't even know that but as my adults i don't see that interesting interesting unless i'm going crazy let me... What's up, Herr Wagner? Yeah, but why don't you pull up, pull up some pics? I mean, this kind of counts as projects for the year, right? It does. Is this our segue into what's going to be? This is. This is the segue. <clears throat> so they're not like vertical in like the like the Python sense, but they are more elliptical than they are round, like you get with the. You know, the true Ganyasoma stuff. Yeah, yeah. Can I send you the picture? Just, yeah, just send it to the, uh, send it to yourself on Facebook because I have that thing open. Uh, And Kevin says the scales pattern are a little different too. So, edit, crop it. Um, that's a video. Damn it! Damn it! It's cool, man. It's cool. Scott got me all riled up. So Scott says, uh, "Dilemma of name recognition: Why and when to use combinations of scientific names." September 2006, Herpetological Convention in Biology, and then he lists the numbers. Cool. Very cool. We also, I got into a huge conversation with Dr. Messenger the other day. The other day, it was probably like maybe two, three weeks ago, about how him and I, very much alike in the sense of there are good scientific names and there are bad scientific names and we should definitely have What's, him back. What on counts the show. as a bad one? Um, whatever they just changed, uh, atropoides to the, uh, jumping vipers. If, 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 if you physically can't enunciate it slowly, it's a bad name. You know what well, I'm saying? That, that was an interesting debate. I saw, I think in one of the Facebook groups a while back, uh, because they found that, um, that new that well, it's, I guess it's, it's a species of atheris, but I don't think it's a living species of atheris. And they named it after James Hetfield from Metallica. Yeah. What are your thoughts on things being named after like musicians like that? Um, I think if there's a great story to go with it, then rock and roll. No pun intended. Um, I think if you're naming it after someone of merit, go ahead, rock and roll. But when they take like six ancient Greek words and blur them together, so there's like twelve friggin' consonants. No, man, it's just no bueno. I'm not into it. Ophriacus yeah. smurgdinus. Yeah, here Keller put it up. Met Metzakolapolos. Like that's a that's a dumb name, man. Like that's a bad name. <laughs> it sounds like a Harry Potter spell. 
Yeah, it, <laughs> remember uh, Renata Mea Vanzellini, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but Doc and I were going back and forth because you know he's doing a lot of research right now on some of the Asian stuff and some of the South American stuff, and like, dude, we were just going back and forth of like, whoever came up with these names, like, they did a good job of like trying to make it unique or trying to you know describe best they can in a classical way this animal or this species but some of them are just shitty names man like yeah well there was people that were like why you know you get to name a species why would you name it after something like you know david bowie like there was a spider that was named after david bowie and but like bowie however you want to pronounce it Um, i'm sure there's a good like there's a good story go with it like hell yeah man you know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I didn't get upset about it. There were people that were that were seemed to be extremely perplexed. Perplexed. I, I just. All right. It's like it's one of those things where it's like you have this one chance to name something, and it's like you're really gonna name it. It's like getting that first tattoo. It's like you're really gonna get a band tattoo. You're gonna get something a little more, little more, little more meaning. Is that your way of saying that your Deftones tattoo was your first tattoo? It was my first tattoo, and I have no regrets. I didn't. I it wasn't love saying. That tattoo. 2011, I baby. I think it's a fantastic tattoo. So, love the pony. It's just I. I didn't know if you were, you know, putting something out there. That's all. Half my tattoos are band tattoos. I just do them in a tasteful way. That's very true. Very true. So, like, that's a neonate right there, and you can kind of see. I can't really see it because the screen's like six feet away from me. But like the the pupil is not wholly round like you get with with let me get a, a picture of like a ganyasoma eye for reference well that's that's here i zoomed in a little bit you can see it has it has more of a point to it it's yeah it's not full, like i said it's not fully round and you know i, I always figured that the true ganyasomas i felt like the eye was set back on the head farther but looking at this picture they are very similar in that stature well stand by i'm i'm getting you a collection and uh jason keller says that the spider that was named after bowie uh, they named it that because the scientists that were studying the spider thought it looked like ziggy stardust makeup which, that's actually that really makes cool. sense because if you see it, you're like, okay, yeah, that's super cool. And I was, I was remembering, wasn't there um, some kind of blue for an atom, and ain't nobody got a decent picture of their head? Wasn't there a Mexican lizard named after a herper from Herp MX? Um, probably. I'm pretty sure. Okay, I just sent you an okay, oxycephaloma Jansen eye, well, a persimmon and a pernatum. Oh, well, let me show the whole that other Ganyo. There's the adult. So not, don't use that picture. That's that's one of my adults, and so okay. like way more circular. See, it is more circular, and like they do sort of seem to have phases. I think it's a, a nighttime thing, maybe. Okay. Um, or low lighting, or maybe that people constricts a little bit. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I could be completely full of shit and Stone's going to message me and be like, you're an idiot. And I'd probably be like, yep. (laughs) 
Okay, so we're going that direction. It's funny, dude. Speaking of that Deftones tattoo, like when I got that, I remember my dad being like, you sure that's what you want? I'm like, I've wanted this tattoo for like 10 years. <laughs> so that's a Fernatum. Right. It's kind of it's kind of rhino-y, bro. It's a little rhino-y, but if you if you continue down the down the line, that's a persinum. Like that is Ganyasoma. Yeah, that's Ganyasoma. Straight through and through. Through and through. Great eyes, man. Great eyes. Yeah, the persinum are really nice because they're blue. Yeah. Jance and I, I mean, aside from being black like a great white shark and having no life behind it and all of nothing but hatred. Um, <laughs> their pupil is round. Yeah. And then that's an oxy. Yeah. So I just, yeah. that's, I don't know. Here, let me go. Let me go back to the rhino. Yeah, dude, the eyes look so much larger, too. I don't know. Just an observation. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there a size between the male and female on the nose? Not that, not that I'm aware of. It's pretty standard. Which, you know, it is kind of interesting because if you took the horn off of a rhino, it would look very similar to a fernatum. Yeah. Um, not necessarily in pattern, but structure. So... But like I said, there's like I can see things being like Ganyasoma adjacent, where it's like, yeah, like they were a, a thing at one point and split, but to have them all sort of lumped into true Ganyasoma, I just don't. Scott said he's going to be the uh, the unpopular here. He said they they all they look very similar to him. And look, I, I think that I think the Ganyos do look all similar. I was not that much on the Rhino. Because like I would hold I would hold Billy's rhino right, and be like, "Wow, this is awesome," and then hold something like the Barons, and it's completely different. You know what I mean? And then you look at Smitty's Jansen eye, and it's totally different than a rhino. But then when you show these pictures like next to each other, it's it is very similar. It is. Yeah, I just, I mean, I can see, like, if they ended up splitting and made rhinos and percentum into a thing, like, sure. But I still think Jansenai and Oxycephalum should be, like, the true Ganyasoma. I don't know. Oh, Scott said, for example, if you're happy with Clobberi and Adamantius in the same genus, then why would that be an issue? I don't... Yes and no. Yeah, I, I see Scott's point. I do. So it's, a, it's a valiant, valiant point. But if, I mean, like there's a reason pygmies aren't in that same genus. If, yeah. if someone came along and said, okay... Like all your montane stuff, your your leps, your clubs, your uh, price eye, your and really? honestly, like yeah, like a lot of that stuff too, especially the stuff like out of Mexico. Um, yes, if they ended up splitting that to being, you know, it ends up being like 
freaking six monotypic sort of species. Like I wouldn't really argue it because there are some of those rattlers down there that don't look like normal, like traditional American croats. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I agree. If if someone wanted to take the montane rattlers and break them off into their own thing, I would not have a problem with that at all. You know what I mean? Even if you keep the species names, but give them their own genus, I'd be okay with that. Because, like Scott said, an Adamantius is not the same as a Willardi. It ain't. So. Yeah. So, all this talk of Jance, uh, Ganyasoma, that is, so we're going to, we wanted to talk about, like, our plans for 2023 on like the animal front, but also sort of the network front and podcast stuff. Yeah. On the front, I have decided that I think this year is the year that I'm going to, I'm going to put more focus and emphasis on the Jansen. I, um, and I'm going to, so I've also got the reverse trio of rhinos. I showed Terry the female. He said, dude, she's totally of size. Like she's, she's good to go. Nice. I talked to Matt, Matt Most. He was like, I don't know. I, you know, if it were me, I'd give her another year. But he's like, ask Rob. So I sent a picture to Rob, and he said she looks good. So rhinos, I'm gonna give it a shot. <clears throat> yeah, man. Uh, really excited because I, you know, it's no secret that I freaking love that species. If I was gonna get a tattoo of any like herp right now, it would be a rhino, um, and probably will be at some point. Uh, I still want to find a good design to make a shirt, man. I just, I need to pay to have someone draw one up or something. <laughs> I, I, I like refuse to, to rip off stuff and make shirts, you know, from that, from other people's art. <clears throat> well, you don't, you don't rip off other people's art. You, you take photos of the animal and you work from that. You know, work from the real I've photo. tried, so I've tried to do like work some Photoshop magic to make it more of like a drawing. That's real hard. Man. I've been struggling. Like, there's, I mean, there's like, it's not super difficult, but for some reason, when I try it, I mean, usually I'm at work, so I can't spend a whole lot of time on it. But it's tough. So I don't, I don't know. Billy Jenkins wants a cane break tat. It, only if you put Atricodatus with it yeah like the like do like the banner ribbon you know hell yeah that's the other thing too like you talk to anybody that has kept timbers and here we go here we go and i have yet to see a person that said those are totally the same thing similar yes the same no what do you mean they are similar. They're very, very similar. I mean, in terms of like... But they're not the same animal. They're not. Like your experience with them. My experience with them is cane breaks are fucking assholes and timbers just want to be left alone. Uh, the stark contrast in f- physical appearance is polar opposites. Yes, they have similar patterning. Yes, their body structure is the same, but they're very, very different. Um Brandon I, Valentine, absolutely agree. He said, "Price side looks like no other coat besides the tail." That's there's yeah. a couple of species in Mexico that that fit that same bill. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And same thing with the long tail rattlers too. If they wanted to put long tail rattlers as their own thing, I'd be okay with that too, man. Just the stark physiological differences. But dude, those Eric Smith eye, those things are sweet. I know, dude. That's I've almost spent... like a proto Bothrops, like with a rattle on it. Like those yeah. things are badass. It. Uh, I've spent the past, oh god, like three weeks just looking at mountains and maps of Mexico. But I digress. Um, the the biggest thing that I can say with the timbers and the cane breaks is because timbers are more of a cold weather animal because they have an actual brumation. I feel like they're more. Would, what's wouldn't that? that be also sort of a major differentiating factor? Like you don't see cane breaks up in Pennsylvania. That's true. There you is get tim- a very, you get timbers there's a, though. There's a distinct. <laughs> there's a distinct range limitation with cane breaks. Right. I don't think they should be their own species. I think it should be two subspecies. I do. Like, I, I personally. Well, this is okay. Like so Heritus, I don't know. Heritus and Heritus well, as far as the rules go, would it have to be where timbers are a subspecies as well? Like they couldn't just make cane breaks a subspecies. Correct. It would be. It would be like, Crotalus, Heritus. Everything Heritus. has to be a subspecies or nothing at all. It, I mean, Scott's listening. He would know more than I would. But what I was saying is, you do timbers are Crotalus, Heritus, Heritus, and cane breaks are Crotalus, Heritus, uh, Atricodatus. I think it's simple. You know, your range maps, I'm sure, would bleed together, in which case no, you would you just but have integrated zones. Same thing happens with, with the rats and the Eastern rat snakes. And that's, yeah. yeah, that's a mess, but people are okay with it. You know, it's like, yeah, kind of... yeah. Scott said the issue, as I recall, was that the complete gene flow between the two geographical, geographical variants. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that makes sense, but at the same time, you they have wild adamantius canebrake hybrids. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. yep. I don't know. Nipper's against it. He says there's no such thing as a canebrake. I say, oh, Nipper's full of shit. I know, I know. And 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 that's the thing too, man. Like you look at babies that are born, they act differently. Um, really at the same time I feel like the feed response and the actual activity of a cane break is so much more active than a timber so do you think that's just like a natural temperature like I do warmer I do related I also uh, an old uh, an old mentor of mine who used to work at Strictly his name was Mark Lucas he passed away recently he told me that one of the hardest things they ever tried to do when studying cane breaks and timbers was to age them because if you didn't get if you weren't there to watch the neonate slither out of mom and immediately put a microchip in it with the date you'd never be able to tell because you could have brother and sister from the same litter right and one of them got to eat five mice that season the other one only ate one mouse Mm -hmm. well the one that ate five when it comes out of brumation it's going to be twice the size Mm -hmm. and because of that you we can't and I'm sure science has evolved from this. You know, this, this guy was, you know, he was in the 70s when he told me this. So he'd been doing it a long time. But just the level of activity and the lifestyles of the two different animals, you know what I'm saying? It's just, they're just different. 
Yeah. Well, that's too interesting too. Like the the cane breaks and the adamantius we have here, like the venom composition in in my area, like the Low Country of South Carolina, from like Charleston down to me, um, is like way more neurotoxic than most other populations. And I think, if I recall, they think that had something to do with like the barrier islands and having to to. be hotter to put things down faster sort of how you would see with with other like insular sure sure type animals yeah <clears throat> what okay. keller said timbers yeah. are on them are in the mountains and canes are in the low country a big fat cane couldn't move through the mountains nor would an all-black timber survive in the plains it's very true uh burke said wouldn't that be very similar to coastals and diamonds in reverse you're gonna get scott going on that one Yep. So you can have something that has different phenotypic variation, color, pattern, size, diet, but still, but it's still the same species. Yeah, I guess. And, and like, first thing comes to mind is like, you know, Scott in, in his book goes over different races of the same species. And, and I'm okay with that, but I don't feel like that's the case with the timbers and cane breaks simply because of what Keller said. You know what I mean? And like when, when we had uh, Kyle Vargas on, I asked him a question that I'd always wanted to know was, is there ever a time when you found Clobberi at Willard Eye elevation and vice versa, right? And his response was basically, uh, yeah, sure, something could get lost. You know, it happened to meander its way mm -hmm. across that elevation line. But no, not typically, because they've adapted to survive in those zones, right? Those elevation zones. And even though there may be low elevation timbers, it's not the same as 22 feet above sea level lowland cane breaks. It's, it's not, you know, palmetto heads are not the Poconos. So, no, that's interesting. So I'll have to, me and Jake are supposed to have an episode with, with Tony Mills, who I used to work for, uh, at the low country Institute. Um, I'm curious to, to see what he has to say. Cause he was the herpetologist at the Savannah river lab for a long time. Um, now he does this show on the, the SCE TV channel. That's pretty cool where he talks about a lot of native wildlife and whatnot, but, um, <clears throat> I'd be curious to get his thoughts on that. Cause we had a, we had a cane break when I worked at the nature center there and that thing was, that was ornery. Yeah, man. Southern baby. I don't, it's, it's that same, the same question I always have when it comes to taxonomy is like, where do you draw the line? And yeah, nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. Cause there is no right answer. Yeah. It's fluid. Yeah. Taxonomy isn't even real. Shut your whore mouth. <laughs> Don't you dare talk bad about my religion. It's like time. It's a man-made concept. Our oh, measurement, God, at here, least. here we go. We made clocks with numbers. We oh, decided that's God. how the days would be would be counted. Billy Jenkins, yeehaw. Here we go. So back on track. Mm -hmm. 2023 will be the year of Ganyasoma. <sighs> I can feel it deep in my plums. I'm ready. Uh, Mike Kasiki the other night when I was talking about it asked, you know, what is what does more focus mean? Like, what does more attention mean? 
more it energy. means just it means right. just that it does well i think the like the reason i have i saw so i got that that three egg clutch early last year i think it was last year i have to go back and look everything's a blur <laughs> uh, and from what i've read which there's not a ton of you know literature out there but like misting them the regularly seem to really up amp up breeding behavior and you know matt most suggested uv which they have um feeding them you know food cycling in a sense to where you just have a period where you're feeding them heavier and then with that misting stimulates you know simulates that that rainy season type of type of deal that they would experience naturally um and so that's kind of what my plan is to do like start misting them at least once a day um start trying to get more food in them um and see if that leads to anything i don't know we'll see the rhinos i'm not as worried about because i feel like the rhinos if they're ready to go like they'll make it happen yeah Um, the way i cooled them which i didn't really like give them a traditional cool down so they're ambient with whatever the room is currently like they don't have heat in their enclosures like there's not a heat panel there ain't nothing in that cage except the light good um i told i was talking to rob about it today you know picking his brain because he's the he's the rhino master uh and i was like you know they didn't really get like super cold like the coldest nights when we had that massive cold front come through was like maybe the upper 60s i don't think the room got below like 68 or 67 according to my govies um shout out to govie if you don't have those in your room you need an army of them i got another one for my birthday (laughs) and it was awesome there we go just popping in to say that Gatatus are the best panther office. I can I can somewhat get behind that. Tied with Bairds. We'll leave that. I don't know, man. Everglades, baby. I don't mm. know. Gross. Uh, so they didn't get really below like 67. I did cut them back on food. I didn't feed them as heavy. Uh, now I fed the female eight pinkies the other day. Nice. That's I've, run, I've run out of fuzzies and hoppers, which I usually, when I fed them in the past, like, you know, I talked to Rob about that too at one point, and he was like, I really don't feed them like one large meal. Like, I usually give them like a handful of pinkies or some fuzzies, like, yeah, let them do that. And so I, since I was out of uh, fuzzies and out of hoppers, I was like, okay, she's just going to get a ton of pinks because I didn't feed either of the males. I fed the two uh, yearlings. And what is that? What's Cuffles and Suwinski eye? Suwinski eye. So I fed her eight pinkies and she downed them all. And uh, yeah. nice. I'm going to start doing that, feeding her, like beefing her up, sort of getting yeah. her heavier. Uh, and, you know, <clears throat> interestingly, Rob told me, he's like, you know, once they have that sort of hormonal shift, he's like, they tend to like put on weight and like hold it which I thought was interesting because I don't, I feel like you don't really see that with, with a lot of species. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We're going to see. Uh, Are still... you concerned with the uh, more than normal levels of moisture in the cage in terms of wet spots and drainage? No, but so I moved the the biggest male. Who's the one that's going to go with that female. Uh which we're actually 
originally from Matt's line, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, they went, I had an old Sharphorn cage that I used to keep problem child that green tree had in here. And so mm-hmm. today I fixed that up. I replaced the light. I put in, you know, I put them back on Cypress mulch and I put in the, the same pothos planted pothos that he had in his, his bio G is now in that. Um, and then I, I watered that plant and completely forgot how bad those sharp horn cages leak if they aren't completely sealed. And so I like, I look over on the side of the cage after I do that. And there's like water pooling on top of the Jansenite cage. I'm like, what the hell? And I completely forgot that there was some silicone that was missing from that right side seam yeah. where all the panels come together. So I was like, well, now I have to be careful about like watering the plant too much. And, mm-hmm. and this is why we get black box. Yep, exactly. So, uh, eventually the female, what I'm trying to figure out now is with that female, do I give her, like, do I, I'm going to eventually cohab that pair right. much full time. Like they're going to go together and that's just going to be it. Do I do it earlier now before sort of like their season kicks off in their little brains and they're like ready to go? Or do I put her in when it's time, like when I would have put her in regardless, if that makes sense. I know nothing about them, but I will say this. I would, I've already started to introduce shed. You know, I would be saving every single piece of skin that those animals shed off and just crushing it up in my hand, sprinkling the substrate, leaving in some long pieces, you know, like right outside the hide, something like Mm -hmm. that. And and honestly, do a feces swap too. Yeah, I, that crossed my mind. Uh, yeah, at least would, with her, like putting in the shed skin of that male. Yeah, and I would I would do that hormonal her hormonal feces shift. to him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a feces swap with the ring calls too, for sure. <clears throat> yeah. So that's the plan. Um, I am getting. Speaking of persinum, uh, I haven't really talked about it much because I've been trying to sort of keep it under wraps but it is now official i am getting a pair of persinum um those are still gonna have some time to go before they'll be ready so but those are gonna be sort of i'm gonna try my hand at those see what happens uh but gone like the jansen eye and the rhinos are gonna be a big big piece of the, the pie this year in terms of plans and then we did the corn stars episode where we did sort of the drafts as far as what pairings we want to do and i didn't realize how few adult females I have in comparison to males. So that was kind of tough, but I think there's going to be two corn pairings, at least the blood reds that I struck out on this year with that egg binding or last year with that egg binding. And then that Castagna male to the ghost tester female cool. to get some, some Castagna hets. Cause that's a, that's a morph that I'm, I'm really, really loving and I'm focused on wholeheartedly. Um, and then I'm, yeah, you know, I was talking to, Mike Gillen today, actually, he, he's up in Canada. He bought a Bairds from me and I got a ship later this year uh, about sort of Bairds. And like, I don't know what I want to pair as far as those go this year, or if I'm even going to pair any, like I have my albino males. I have the one het female I hatched out this year. I have the het female I bought from Tony D at Daytona, but they still have, you know, another like three years to go. So it's, I don't really see a need to make more hats. If I was going to do anything, I think it would be that Lo- the Loma Alta pair again. 
Um, and then I may even try, I thought about trying that Davis mountain, that Olympia Canyon male that Chris sent me to an undocumented female that looks very Loma ish. Like she has that, that yeah. range silverness going on. Sure. Sure. Um, I had, like I said, I haven't really decided. I don't, I have a couple of holdbacks still from the Loma Altas. Um, and I don't know. I like I have the subox too that I had kind of planned to pair, but I don't know if I'm going to do those or not. Like basically, I'm, I'm I need to not pair as much stuff as I did last year. Yeah, I have to be cognizant of space. And uh, yeah, I don't know. So rhinos are definitely happening. Those blood red corns for sure happening, and I'm I'm fairly certain that Castania male is going to go in with that that ghost tester female because those blood reds are really nice. That's the ones that uh, Tortuga Fontana and Jeremy sent me sweet uh, that are like a sort of a line of its own sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have not talked to Owen. I need to. Yeah. But it was, it's the same issue I had with the rhinos, the same issue I had with, you know, the smaller chondros. It's like they're old, like they're of age, but they're not really of size and without sort of any real context in terms of what, if someone's bred that, that sized chondro before it's kind of hard like without seeing it myself it's kind of hard to gauge whether it's you know something you can pull off and it was the same with the rhinos where it's like i've seen some big rhinos like in pictures and videos but it's like is that the norm or are you know i i don't know man i feel like the pictures of your wife holding it like that's a good size animal man the male is yeah that that darker well yeah darker bluish male like he's getting he's getting big yeah but males are bigger in rhinos anyways oh okay okay so but it's also one of those things where it's like the chondros where it's like they look small curled up and then you pull them out and you're like oh my god like yeah jeez and and hey man you may just roll the dice you know like like natush said like in the wild they're not saying ho 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 i'm not big enough yet you know what i mean yeah and i don't have an issue doing that as long as i don't you know, if my concern that the the animal would not like the female in particular, right, the males right. don't really care about the males will be fine. Um, it's the females that I worry about, and it's like, do I? I don't want to jeopardize the health and life of a female. Yeah, but we're not talking about. Any, so. Look, if there was a thought in your mind, let me, let me rephrase that. If I came up to you with a snake that was small. And I was like, Smitty, what do you think? Should I breed this? And you were like, no way, man. That thing's way too small. Okay, cool. If I'm at the point where I'm like, hey, should I breed this? And you're like, ah, she's kind of small. Well, there's a good chance that that would have bred in the wild. Now, yeah, no would, it, would it also have possibly died being egg-bound or, or litter-bound in the wild and had birthing complications? Quite possibly. It's nature. But I also feel like we have way more control over everything. You know, yes. and like accidents happen. They've happened to all of us, all of our friends, but we still make a a conscientious decision to move forward. You know, but I feel like if you if you're hesitant about it, it's probably okay. But if you're not, if you're like, no, it's too small, well then clearly it's too small. Does that make sense? Is that yeah. dumb of, no, is and it I, dumb of me to think like that? I put those chondros together too, those two smaller ones, and that mm-hmm. male was he was trying his damnedest, man. I don't yeah. know. I don't. I never saw like a definitive lock 
Mm-hmm. Um, she just shed, so I may put him. I actually need to pull it out. She had some on her tail left still that she didn't get, but I may put him back in there with her because he was trying. And that, you know that was back in like October. I didn't really talk about it much. I didn't really post anything about it because I was kind of like, I just want to yeah. see if I can make it happen. Like I don't want to, you know, my my life motto of announcing your plans is a good way to make God laugh. Yep. Yep. Uh, kind of rang true. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm, I may put him in again and give it a shot, but I know next year Starscream should be good to go. Cool. Which will be cool. I can probably start thinking about what, what she would go to. Nice. Um, yeah. Rock and roll, man. Rock and roll. I was going to ask you a Ganya question, and now I forgot. Damn. Yeah, Lisa, This uh, so this female is like probably just over like 350 grams, if I had to guess. But they're four-year-old snakes. So, like, they're plenty old enough. It's not an age thing. If anything, that's, like, prime, ready to go. But they're small. So I was like, you know what? Not many people would probably want to see if this is like if it can be done. Figured I'd give it a shot. Um, and again, if I didn't think that she could, she couldn't handle a small clutch, then I wouldn't have done it. But I think, I think she could, no problem. So yeah, <clears throat> good stuff. It's exciting times, man. Exciting times. What are you? What about you? What's you well, talked about rinks? Mm-hmm. So rinky dinks. The uh, the room didn't get as cold as I thought it would. Dude, it's been a weird, weird winter. It's been a weird winter, but it did get cold, colder than it was. So basically, how cold did it get down there like two or three weeks ago when like we were getting uh forties below freezing? Okay. Yeah, it was forties. Yeah. But but because everything is insulated, everything's concrete, and everything has its central air, even though I killed all the heat in the room and only left the wrinkles basking site on for one hour each day, it still only got into like the mid to mid sixties. So uh, it is definitely a, a drop for them, and I've I've been cutting back on the food, um, but I figure what this is the second, so probably this week I'll start bringing temps back up. Um, basically, everything got cold and not fed for December, um, mm-hmm. and then the the rinks I'm gonna start doing small meals often with her because I've been kind of slacking on that. Um, and I'm going to basically wait to see her color back up. And once I get her colored back up, I'm just going to throw the mail in there and see what happens. How, go from how serious is the worry of cannibalism there? Uh, I'm not that I'm not that concerned because they're basically the exact same size. Okay. Um, and from what I've gathered, it's never been found in captivity, but it has been found in the wild. So see, that's what they said about the cyania, too. And. I never like I 
I would co-had them off and on for a couple of weeks and I never had a concern about it. Well, what I'm more concerned with is stress. So like, <clears throat> even though let's say the female is bigger than the male, I'm not worried about her eating him. I'm worried about her being like, who the hell is this dude in my cage? Why is he here? I can't run away from him. He won't leave me alone. What do I do? And just stress and it kills the season. That's what I'm actually afraid of. Um, but I am really eager to see her color back up because I feel like I wasn't paying attention enough last season to really like key in on it. Um, but this year, like I see she's dark, I see she's drab. So I'm hoping that once I, I'm going to slowly bring it from one hour of heat to three hours of heat and then do five hours of heat. And then if that doesn't make her come full color back, I'm just going to put the mail in. Um, so I got them going. Um, Serastes, I'm going to basically leave them at room temp until probably end of March and then bring up the food, bring up the heat, kick it back up to like 90. Cause right now it's like 78 in there, in their enclosures, in their, their Cambro tubs. Um, because I want to do, I want to, I want to aim for like pairings in first week of April. So February, March, April. Yeah. For like first week of April, I'm going to try and pair stuff. Um, just went through and probed all of Marcus's. We're male heavy at his house. I have to probe mine. I just haven't had a minute to do it. Um, and obviously I've got way less than he does, but I do have video of his rack because I know everyone here seen my Cambro. It's, it's, it's nothing crazy, but um, let me show you Marcus's Serastes. And then basically what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go through and see what we want to pair in terms of color, coloration and size. And then we're probably going to sell a few. So if anybody is listening and interested in some long-term, wild-caught, extremely healthy and breedable Sarasti Sarastis, don't hesitate to let me know. Um, is that that seems like a species you could probably like you could reasonably cohab a pair together, right? I, I have. I just I'm okay. gonna be. I, I'm I'm not doing it now because I want to make sure everything's controlled. Gotcha. You know what I mean? I want to make sure I know exactly how things are going. Just keep when like 20 of them together. It'd be like a bunch of little landmines. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a little video of Marcus's room. Uh, where is it? Here we go. Share that. Yeah, Scott, that book was supposed to come out last year. So they keep pushing it back, which is fine. Just gives me more time to save up for it. There's three books this year I got to get my hands on. Look at those Cloud Forest design labels. Yeah, mm -mm -mm. So mine looks exactly the same except they're Cambros. So, um, and uh, he's been keeping really, really good feed records of all of his. I am a lazy shite and I don't do that, but I only have one that goes off feed and it's definitely a male. Unfortunately, it is the lightest one of all of them. It's super oh. light, almost white. Um, but I, I'm not even going to consider pairing it this year simply because it, it's it's skinny and scrawny. I mean, like it eats once every four feedings, every five feedings. So like it's doing it's doing its thing, but it's not like going. You know what I mean? Um, so that's the plan for them. Uh, pygmy rattlesnakes. Yeah. So I got a. Let me pair look curiously through. I know, I know. So dusky pygmy rattlesnakes, Barbary.
Did he freeze or did I freeze? Someone in the chat, tell me if you can still hear me. Hmm. Okay. Phil Dunn froze up. Yeah, so that that second edition of Venomous Bites from Non-Venomous Snakes, Scott is saying, is due to drop in May or June. It was supposed to drop last June. It got punted to, like, fall. Got punted again. Um, it's been on my, my wish list on Amazon for a while. I've been watching it pretty closely. So I want to get that. I want to get that Atheris book. And then there's that Old World Rat Snakes uh, book that is, like, in stupid difficult to find and harder to get a hold of so that one might have to happen first but putting my black box order this week any tips use the discount code THN at checkout those V70s are nice I pretty much just need something for smaller stuff right now. I've got more, way more babies and yearlings than I do uh, adults. I've got two female corns in the freaking Cambro rack because the Cyania were in that. And they got bumped because uh, they went to Terry. So there's two females in these like huge Cambro racks. It's kind of odd because there's a ton of vertical space that... I don't think they'd use it even if I gave them something to. I got you. Yeah, I, so this wasabi is is okay. It's a it's a cigar. It's not horrible. It's not great. It just is. And in fact, I think I'm gonna go ahead and call it on that one. And unwrap this tattoo. Yeah, I definitely that Atheris book though. That's like probably the most comprehensive amount of information we have on that genus, like ever or currently. Is he gonna add himself back in? Yep. All right. I was like, what happened to my internet? Streamyard doing its thing, man. This is yeah. what it does. Yeah. That's what we pay fifty bucks a month for. I know. Um, what was the last thing you heard me say? Uh, Barber Eye. Yes. So I got a pair that I handpicked from Palm Beach County. Um, the male's a little small, but I think he'll get the job done. And then I recently acquired a long-term captive adult female striped. So I've uh, never put this much thought into it before. <laughs> um, I think what I'm going to do is I think I'm just going to wait until like April and just throw them together and just let them do their thing. I keep them at room temperature and they just live and survive. And she's actually clinically obese. So I'm going to not. She is pretty big. <laughs> she's, a, she's a big girl. Actually, I got pictures so we can share those. Um, she, she, she's a big girl. She's basically been fed every single week for God only knows how long. Um, and uh, 
Here, let me get this video up and running. Yeah, I, Michael said, bring the sub box pretty fun. You know, they go late and they're they're always cool, and they are, but I, I haven't even put my female in cooling. The male has been, female hasn't even gone yet. I haven't put her down. So at this point, I don't know that I'll bother, but. And I love the Subox. Um, it's such an awesome species, but those, you know, I may end up parting with those too. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm kind of looking to thin out on some things to be able to focus on the the Ganyasoma stuff and other yeah, things. Man. So, yeah, boy, look at that. How old is that one? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. Um, this was a long term. I mean. It belonged to a guy for a long time. I would say at least six, seven years, maybe. And then it was given to a friend of mine who had it for over two years and just fed it, just, just, just fed it. <laughs> so uh, I've had her for two weeks now, and I'm probably not going to feed her anything until the end of January. I probably give her like a hopper and just see how she does with that um because i am afraid that she might be too obese for breeding mm -hmm. uh here is some video so you can really see yeah, please her with with a litter in there please do not judge my hookmanship i did not um sort what i'm looking for i did not like the way i hooked her out but i felt it was still a good video so don't judge my technique but is do you know if that that aberrancy or that striping is that just a simple recessive? Do they know? I have no idea. I'm hoping that it is. Um, I know Nipper Nipper can tell you. He has a trio that he has bred. Look at so, that sausage. I know, just a fatty McFatster. So, dude, I wouldn't doubt for a second if you bred her and she she got a bunch of babies in her, she would roll. Yeah, exactly. That's like so. she'd be, she's pushed her max, maximum density as is. Yeah. Good God. So she's got to go on a diet. Um, but if she looks better by May or so, maybe June, I'll throw a boy to her, see what she does. So, um, so that, that's going to happen there. Uh, Fuscus are still chilling at like 60 degrees. Um, I'm going to bring them back up this week and then give small meals next week. Oh, I'm trying to think what else I'm going to put together. Um, I think that's and it. Man. That makes me wonder too. Like if you fed, if you still fed, but you fed things that were like almost nothing but protein, like chunks of frog leg. If that would make any, like if you fed her, even if it was just small pieces just to keep her metabolism going. Yeah. Well, I was gonna I was gonna give her like a rat pink. I don't I don't know that I'd give her any pinkies of any kind. Do you think? Yeah, I'd go with as low fat as possible on whatever it was. Okay. And her feed re feed response is batty, bro. I mean it's got she she don't you don't get that beat to be that big without going for food. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean look at me. Uh, you know? <laughs> preaching the choir, pal. Scott said the striping is polygenic and heritable. So, oh, cool, very cool. Uh, so yeah, so I'm pretty sure that so Fuscus will be in a week of warming them up. So Fuscus, Sarastis, Sarastis, the pygmies, the wrinkles. I think that's it for this go around. 
Yeah. Yeah, because Colubrids, I still got at least another year on uh, Colubrids. Uh, next year, I'll sh- I'm going to shoot for corns next year. Um, uh, Abbott line Ocates. Um, Hondurans are still too small. Mexican black milk or Mexican black kings are still too small. Um, oh, we didn't talk about geckos. So I'm going to do a bunch of synctus pairings and then I'm going to actually, I'm going to. Uh, try and do Millie this year, underwater source Millie. So uh, I've got 1.2. So hopefully I can uh, pull that off. And uh, Valentine, my Fuscas are Queensland's. So supposedly, Scott will yell at me. See, uh, even when you're dealing, like Scott said, you know, you would starve her for six months and then feed small feeds every three weeks to run the metabolism back to normal for breeding in 24 season. Um, kind of the issue with like heavier bodied little ambush species like that is like they're built to just live off fat forever. Yeah. Yep. That's why fat chondros get fat so quick. It's like they don't do like their metabolism yeah. is literally almost non-existent. It's like it's just yeah. they don't they they don't lose weight. Well, I even contemplated waiting until like July and just not feeding her until July and throwing a boy to her. But even still, I'm I'm hesitant. So yeah, I would just kind of play it by ear and mm-hmm. you know, cross that bridge yeah. when you get to it. Yeah, I um I have a gram scale up there, so uh, I I contemplated at least taking a monthly way just to make sure that she's see if she's moving any of them, you know, losing the something. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, oh, I didn't bring up the new acquisitions. Got to show off the newest of new. Yes. So I uh. Those of you who know me know that I have a closet affinity for rock rattlesnakes, and I never dove into them because I was I had sticker shock. Um, I also was afraid that keeping a montane species in South Florida at zero elevation in the tropics would be difficult. Um, and I know that at this point in my herpetological career, I feel adequate enough that through the use of environmental control and self-discipline <laughs> i could probably do it so i've had a franklin mountain club for paul oh man I don't know, forever <laughs> forever right forever it's older um, than my child I, I think it is older than your child yeah um and he's ready to rock and roll dude he's a diesel diesel snake um uh so i have been talking to Vargas about trying to get a, a girlfriend for him uh, because I won't breed him to anything except for a Franklin Mountain locality. And then I recently acquired some Mexicana stuff. So a friend of mine was getting out of some venomous and blessed me with the opportunity to buy some super cool Mexican stuff. So we'll first show off this little nugget. <clears throat> If I can get this up and running. There we go. Mm. 
That's a good looking Alterna boy. <laughs> that is that is a good looking Alterna boy. Um let me get my notes so I can get the locality information. Because I know I'm gonna mess up these mountain range names. Um so for those of you wondering, this is the Durango Rock Rattlesnake or Durango um Durango Rock Mountain Rattlesnake, however you want to say it, um, which is uh, Crotalus lepidus maculosus. Uh, this particular one is a bad photo. It's got skin flab on the back end here. I don't know if you can see my cursor. And I don't know if it's just lean or if it's like actually skinny, but I was looking at this tail, man, and this tail looks good and the body looks good, but I really can't tell if it's huffing and puffing, and that's why it looks so good. Um, I need to sneak in there when he doesn't see me and try and get a, a photo of him to see really if he if he needs to eat or not. But he was eating a mouse, a live mouse, once a week for like 15 months. So I'm sure he's probably fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there he is in quarantine. I like the, so, the clay balls there. Yeah. Um, it's a nice touch. I wasn't going to do it on purpose. Uh, that, uh, that jungle mix was so wet. Oh, I was like, yeah. man, I was like, how can I dry this out? And I was like, if I put sand, it's only going to stay wet and be a soupy mess and get all up in his, in the scales and everything. And I didn't want to do that. So I figured, you know, I was like, let me use some, some clay balls and hopefully that'll, you know, soak up some and dude, it worked like a million bucks. So there's very, there's just enough moisture in there to be microclimate with that water bowl and everything, but not soaking wet that it's going to mm -hmm. mess him, you know? Um, so I got him. So that's a male. Um, so now I got to start looking for a girlfriend. Um, and this thing is easily 10 years old. Um, I remember, all the snakes I'm about to show you guys, I remember when my friend got them as neonates, and that was at least 10 years ago, if not if not 12 or 13 years ago. So, Sean, I haven't decided on the Ladies Island Corns for this year. <clears throat> There's one that I thought was a female, and then I probed it, and it's a male, so I may put that one with the female to see if it is, in fact, a boy. Because it can, it seems to want to pull a, a Bruce Jenner on me. All right. Next up at bat is probably everyone's favorite, but I'm not. I don't want to be sold on it just yet. But boom. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this, boys and girls, is Crotalus morulus. This is the Tamalupin rattlesnake or Tamalupin rock rattlesnake. So Dr. Vargas, as I like to call him, um, he says <clears throat> that this is what they call the Pina Nevada locality or the Serra Pina Nevada, which is uh, one of the highest peaks in that area. Um, the, the Pina locality is typically this copper color. Um, but when you go on iNaturalist, you'll see for every one copper one that looks like this you'll see like two or three other ones that are more gray or more uh slate colored and also have some that are more pink so it is a very variable locality oh um, man but dude like the flash on this camera ruins it that snake is legit copper so 
and do the eye bands and i think honestly of, of all the rock rattlesnakes i'm falling in love with marulus more and more simply because of the light coloration bordering the saddles yeah like like that yeah. like that that light color dude it just gets me man i love banded snakes and so this one this is definitely a hit for me um this one's a boy again gotta find a pina pina mountain range locality girl we need to have kyle on to talk about that africa trip dude we do a oh thousand percent yeah so that was number two and then number th- three is this little chubby bunny let me get the screen share here boom Mm, oh yeah look at the tail on that that's a rock rattlesnake so this is also it rocks this is also Cortalis marullus but this is a Pablio locality and Pablio is a town or city on the other side of the Tamalupan mountain ranges so this is like on the other side of the mountain range from where the copper colored one's from um, and for the most part, these all look like that. So, dude, it was it was so impressive to me that I, I called Kyle and I was like, look, man, can I send you some pictures, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, this one's this, this one's that, this one's this, this one's that. And I was like, oh, beautiful, beautiful. So I'm going to try and get significant others from all of these from him because I feel like, I, I mean, should I owe it to him for Christ's sake? Um, but, dude, like, just look at the, the light coloration on the outside of the bands. It's just it's just awesome. So that rattle is just so great. Oh. Yeah, that's a pretty serious rattle for a smaller, smaller crew. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, I'm impressed. So yeah, so now I've got oh, I've got four different locality rock rattlesnakes and three different species. So that makes me very happy. And uh this is what I've decided my black box uh, XT2s are going to go to. Um, I already started get gathering up photographs, and I'm gonna. There's a spot by me that's got a bunch of pine needles. So we get some pine needles, get some moss, and just start carving foam. You know, trying to make Dustin Grand proud with my foam carving skills. And uh, yeah, man, uh, rock rattlesnakes. This is gonna be my year of the rock rattler. So I wanted to figure out how to get like bamboo growing in that rhino cage i feel like that would be really easy believe it or not there's a bunch of uh bamboo growing like around the corner from my house and i wanted to get some of those like uh like the leaves like the dried leaves and put them in there but then to have like bamboo growing in there would be freaking cool hell yeah man hell yeah Uh uh-uh Oh, Scott just sent me some rock rattler pictures. Row, row, raggy. Row, row. Okay. That's not it. What is this? Oh, my God, Scott. What did you send me, boy? All right, let me post these. Hold on. I'm assuming these are from a private collection in Europe, but I hope Scott will be in the chat to inform us. 
Booyah, look at that. Oh, Eric had a good idea. You could probably use the silica packets for drying. Yeah, I actually thought about that. I thought about getting the uh, the little jars um, that have the silica like they put in the humidors. I thought about doing that. Um, but honestly, I'm not too concerned with humidity being high. I'm more concerned with just standing water and standing moisture. Yeah, just ventilation. And yeah, make, so like the uh, those quarantine tubs that they're in now are very, very ventilated. Um, holes along the sides, holes on top. And I put those uh, those ceramic balls in there to, to help control that. Um, but I've decided that when I do start building out the black boxes, I'm going to attempt. I'm probably going to use micro halogens because I feel like they will make a really hot basking site and also give a good amount of ambient heat. Um, what I'm going to try to do is, if I play my cards right, I'm going to try and do a fogging system. So in the morning, before the sun rises, each enclosure gets a, 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 couple, a minute or two of fog, like just misting fog. And then give it, say, 30, 40 minutes before the quote-unquote sun comes up and then get the heat going. Mm -hmm. So that way, by, say, 10 a.m., all that humidity is burnt out with the exception yep. of underneath some rocks and microclimate. So that'll be my goal. And I, obviously, I'll have to you know trial and error and, and le learn from mistakes and make sure I'm not making a swampy soup at the bottom of the cage. But I feel like that could actually work out pretty well, especially if I also incorporate some kind of chiller unit, too. Because, like, Zoomit has that new, like, 10-gallon chiller. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Oh, dude, it's like air conditioning for your tank. And it basically, it's not an actual chiller. Like, it's not going to get in the 40s or anything. But uh, you basically fill the reservoir. It chills. It burns off that water in some way. I don't know how it works. And basically pumps the cold air into the tank. So, like, let's say you have an, a single axolotl in a 10-gallon tank as a pet, and you want to get the water a little cooler, or maybe you have a, a, a your reptile room is hot, and you want to put, like, a tiger salamander in there, and you know it's going to be way too hot for that tiger salamander, you can put this thing on top of the 10-gallon, and it just hits it with a colder air. And basically, they say it drops it, like, at least 10 degrees Fahrenheit, at least. So it's not a crazy chiller, but I feel like that could I could maybe incorporate that somehow if I need to, mm -hmm. just because that room gets so hot in summer with all the serastes and everything else. Yeah. So, oh man, so this is that's a Malurus for sure. Um, oh, look at that face. Oh, awesome. Some specs, right? Or is that tiger? Is that a spec and a tiger? Looks like a speck and a tiger. Yeah, it looks like a speck and a tiger. And then, oh, boom. Look at that guy. Look at that eye stripe. Sure. Oh, awesome. Awesome possum. All right. What else did... Oh, man. Scott sent me a gauntlet of photos. All right. I'm going to let those load because they're huge. <clears throat> So, yeah, so uh, just to get back on track, uh, going to pair the ranks, going to pair the Fuscus, going to pair Sarasti Sarastis, going to pair some Pygmies, some Dusky Pygmies, and uh, building rock rattles enclosures. That's going to be the next thing, man. So. Brendan Meyer just put in, he made a, a Baird's enclosure out of a black box. Uh, oh, yeah? Where he did the foam, foam like sides and back. And it looks really good. Nice. 
Oh, Scott's saying that was Merten, Merten, Mertenensis. 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 Never heard of it. Hang on, we're gonna we're gonna pull that one up. Ugh. Once you get like south of the border, Crotalus just is like a rabbit hole that just continues to go and go and go. So that's the um that's the island locality of the speckleds. Interesting. What Endemic island? to El Muerto Island in Mexico. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Muertensis. Yes. Very cool. I think his photo's loaded. Hold on. Man, that Boy. is a crazy looking snake. Alligator Farm had a McGregor eye. Oh, yeah? What color? Orange. Nice. It was kind of it had had some like stuck shed on its back, so it was kind of hard to see, and they had like darker lighting in there. But it was pretty rad. Nice. That looks like a really really funky latosis. Yeah, it does. Uh, like a bushmaster and a sidewinder yeah. and a. Ooh. Oh, look at that! Is that a basilicus? I think that is a basilicus. Yeah. Very cool. Scott's playing the guess the species game with us today. He is. He definitely is. So he says, Reveus. Uh, hold on. This thing's lagging out. I'm going to give that a minute. Damn it, Scott. Why do you have to send us such good pictures? <clears throat> I'm just afraid that streamer is going to freak the hell out and crash again. What so. are you doing to me? Yeah, too much awesome snakes. Uh... But yeah, I've uh, I've spent the past like at least a solid two, maybe three weeks looking at iNaturalist, Gaius and Garmin, and then Apple Maps and just like going on Flickr trying to find pictures of mountains and like trying to get elevation stats and like Oh, now I'm looking at succulent cactus. Yeah, dude. And I'm like thinking, man, I should totally get into some succulent cacti. And I should totally start growing them now so that I could put them in the enclosures later on. Katie has a little wine box where she's growing some that sits outside and <clears throat> it seems like it's constantly wet. And those things are exploding. Really? Yeah. We're both uh, very shocked because we're like, these things should have been dead like a year ago. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Well, that gives me some hope. Oh, yeah. I um I'm gonna basically do little potter little 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 pottings that Billy gave me. Um I gotta decide what species I want to do because they are from other sides of the country. Um and then try and see if I can keep them alive for at least six to eight months and then I'll add them to the enclosures because Obviously, the enclosure is going to be way hotter and have more or less humidity, depending on what it is. I just I don't know if I have the discipline to spray them right, you know, and just like keep them going. I don't know. I'm overthinking it because I, I, I think they're almost like epiphytes where they, you know, they don't need to be like wet. Yeah, I think they just need that morning dew, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I also have been trying to find 
the Negev tulip, which is a blood red tulip that grows out of a succulent looking plant in the Negev desert. Cause I want to put that in the field eye enclosure. And I realized that it's really hard to keep them alive and they only bloom once a year in the Negev because of the wind chains and shit. So I'm probably going to go to Hobby Lobby and make fake ones. Lisa asked if it was hard to keep cacti in Florida. Uh, it depends on the cacti. So like prickly pear is everywhere down here. Um, it, we got some up here too. Yeah, dude, that shit is, it's a weed, you know. Um, <clears throat> I know people that brought barrel cactuses from when they lived in Arizona and they made it like a season and then die. I don't think it's the level of humidity that kills them. I think it's the lack of a winter. I really do. I feel like uh, I feel like because it's humid all year round and there's there's no winter that the, that the cacti just don't do well. But I know a lot of people keep cacti indoors in Florida and they, it works for them. You know, hardest so. plant in the world. It's a it's a bitch when it gets to Florida. Yeah, man. It's all about that flower to laugh. <clears throat> Scott just sent the curveball. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll I'll show the curveball. Hold on. Um, so here is. So this should be Ravius, and then, oh, that was the curveball, and then white I've never spec. Seen Ravis before. Yeah. And then, oh, that's not it. I like the, the Ravis as adults a lot. And then that is a, what, what did he say this one was? No, I can't remember. This one is Melosis Oxiana. Super cool. And then the curveball. Meh, meh. Anyone want to try and guess that one? <laughs> it's not arachnoides, right? Yeah, it is. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait a second. <laughs> yep. I know that Boy, skin anywhere. Jacksonville Zoo had a unicolor that was like pink. Nice. Nice. Those Arubas are cool. Suckers are hot as shit, though. So I'm told, man. I've never seen one in person. I gotta go up to Jacksonville. Hmm. <clears throat> I also, anybody who has any ideas on how to make sand dunes in a tank or enclosure, please let me know because it is really hard to do that without it sliding down. So anybody who has ideas for fake sand dudes, Hit me up. Just use um, oh, what's it called? Excavator. Um, I thought about that, but the problem is the sand will eventually shift and slide, and it will just look like stone. So, I'm probably going to use some of it in the field eye enclosure. And maybe some of it in some of the rock rattler stuff, but 
uh, the color of it is just wrong for it, it, the colors are right for the field eye, but uh, but the color is just totally wrong for the uh, mountain rattlers. Um, but what I've been looking at is doing carving foam to get the shape of the rolling dunes and then basically doing like a shitload of liquid acrylic all over it and then just pack on sand and then more acrylic and then more sand and then more acrylic and then more sand. And then you basically make little ledges so that when the sand is, so that when you put real sand on top of it, once it's all cured and dried and everything, if the sand shifts, it kind of pools and like, it'll even cascade and make a little waterfall of sand if possible, a sand fall, if you will. Um, like, yeah, Valentine says it, exactly lips. So make a little lip to it so that it kind of stays. But if the, if the snake goes up there, it's going to, it's going to slide. But as long as the, foam itself is the same color and texture of the rest of the sand the enclosure it won't be as obvious so make make a slot in the side of the cage and take a leaf blower and turn that bitch on high yeah yeah i actually i watched a a, a, a child's i watched a child's video on youtube of a science teacher teaching elementary school kids how sand dunes form in terms of like the peak and the crest and the wind direction and i was like man if there wasn't living creatures in there i could totally replicate this with some kind of fan system and then i was like no that's delusions of grandeur just get the foam get the acrylic you know yeah yeah but you could also like that's something i've wondered about with like the jansen eye in particular and some of the other stuff that maybe needs higher humidity and more ventilation is like getting a couple computer fans and putting them on the back of like one that's that's pulling air out and one that's pushing air in mm -hmm. one on each end like i know people have done that with dart frog tanks um i think it i don't know it seems like it would you get a decent amount of benefit out of that i know like people have made negative airspace for certain animals to breed in a room enclosure to basically adjust the barometric pressure of the room but i don't think it would it would be very i mean henry and i've talked about this like it would be really hard to do that in a single enclosure so yeah i mean it wouldn't be anything crazy like i said computer fans are cheap yeah. just attach them to the back and or even do separate cutouts where like they're on the ends yeah yeah and some screens so they can't come in contact with it and but I've seen some really impressive dart frog tanks that had like fans that were, I think, just pulling air out. Makes sense. Oh. I like it. Yeah, I got to figure out. Um, I really want to do that that morning dew thing. I think that would be mm -hmm. really beneficial for microclimate. And I also saw. Um, I was in PetSmart. No, Petco. I was in Petco getting crickets with Anna Maria for a dumpy, and. Uh, they had fake shale mm -hmm. that was like resin based and it came in like a bag of five and it yeah. was super, super expensive, but it looked really good and it was super lightweight. And I was like, man, if I could figure out how to make this at home at a resin or whatever, I would just make like a shitload of it and just throw it in the cage loose and just let it go where it wants to go. Cause like if there was a, God forbid a, a pseudo rock slide, it would not hurt the animal. You know? Right. Yeah, that'd be cool. Or if you could even just like pre, like if you did like a foam background and you just stuck those pieces in it. Yeah. 
you know, and made like nice little gaps that they can like wedge themselves in. And yeah, absolutely. That would be cool. Yeah. Super cool. Super cool. I like doing the foam background thing like I did for the darts and I would, you know, I'd love to do that with some of the other enclosures or some of the snakes, but just the amount of time it takes to cure and to shape and then to cover in silicone and cover in eco earth or whatever it be. It's just like for the dart frogs, it was kind of a necessity. Like you didn't, I didn't have much of a choice, which is fine, but it's like, if I don't, I'm at a point now where it's like, if I don't have to do it, I'm not going to. Yeah. Yeah. I just as easily put foam or not foam, but like cork, that bark background stuff in one of those, in those cages. Well, I decided what I'm going to do with those XT2s is I'm going to panel the sides and then um, I'm going to do an adhesive photo on the back, right? So like Durango Mountains, right? Do the adhesive photo on the back and then I'm going to have panels on the right and left that I'm going to make rock like escarpment little cliff face, right? And then have on the one side where the lamp will be, um, the heat element, whatever you want to call it, um, I'll have that bleed over. And I was even thinking about it, depending on how much surface area on top I have, doing rock, f- making foam uh, panel rock on the ceiling. So when you're looking in the enclosure, it looks like you're in the cave looking out into the mountains. So mm-hmm. like there's like rock coming on the top, you know what I mean? Um, so I really want to play around with that. And I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with it. I want to have it. I'll, my goal is to have it done by summer. This is one of my New Year's resolutions. So I think that'll be fun. Yeah. It'd look good. Especially hey, speak yeah. of the devil. Like, uh, you know, Cody has that, that price I set up. That's just freaking killer. You know, something like that with the, yeah. I don't know what paint they used for that. I think he just used acrylic. But looks good. I'm pretty sure he used acrylic because, you know, I had, I had brought him pictures. Um, this is a long time before we went to Arizona actually looking for Bryce Eye, but uh, the lichen are very, very similar from when I went in 20, oh God, 2018, I think I went and to like tucson area and i showed him pictures on my phone he was and i was like dude you did a great job he's like well i redid those rocks like 12 times <laughs> so but he did the other colors exact man so it's it's pronounced tuck it's, it's pronounced tuckson so you know tuckson tuckson arizona oh oh sorry sorry forgive me valentine don't hit me Get um it. Yeah, I'm going to have to get a, a – I got to find the right photos for the background. That's going to that's gonna be my – like I thought like carving foam and like getting colors and stuff is right. I'm more afraid of the photo because I feel like the photo has got to be perfect. You know what I mean? So it's not cheesy, like it's just like some stick-on background. But You put way more effort into it than I do, buddy. I want to I wanna make it good, man. Those rock rattlesnakes deserve it, you know? They deserve so, a picture on the back of their cage. They do. They 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 deserve a window into their ancestral home. Their ancestral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what it is, man. Hmm. 
Do you have any plans for the podcasts, be it Venom Exchange, this, for 2023? Yeah. Um, Venom Exchange, we're going to try and get more shows out. Um, Our goal last year was to do a show a month, and we basically held up to that. Um, We'd like to do more than that. Maybe try and just get it every couple weeks, every two weeks, every three weeks if we can. Um, it's just scheduling, you know. Yeah, time zones make that hard, man. Especially when you're dealing yeah. with yours versus you know guests that are yeah in South Africa versus Nipper in the UK, and you know just yeah. And uh, we're definitely going to have um, more Mexico, Southwest U.S., uh, South America. I got some more Middle Eastern people lined up. Um, going to try and do some Southeast Asian people too. Um, and we're going to try and get more. We want to get more field herpers, get more researchers, and, and get more personal keepers, man, and just keep that ball rolling. Um, as far as this show, uh, you and I are very much on the same page. Um, we're going to keep doing the contests, keep do some raffles. Uh, I think we should still do the photo ID. I think it's fun as hell. Um what am I forgetting, Smitty? I don't I don't know. I don't think anything. I definitely want to get more sort of organized in terms of like we're very across all the shows, at least for for me. We're I'm very sort of fly by the seat of our pants. Like there's sometimes where we don't have a plan. Yeah. Um and I think sometimes it shows, sometimes it doesn't. Definitely want to get better about sort of thinking of things between episodes and writing them down and making sure that, you know, we have a nice sort of game plan per episode yeah. with THP too. I mean, we're, I'm a little more organized with that, but, um, you know, like corn stars, like Chris pretty much does the outline entirely for that one. And it's been really nice. <laughs> <laughs> like I just kind of show up and that's, that's it. So, um, yeah, I just, like I said, more, more organized. Um, we did i want to get i keep wanting to get more content on the website and every time i go to sit down and i start writing i hate it and i delete it and i move on to something else um what else the so the raffle that we have planned for february there's still some things i gotta sort of figure out um logistically in terms of like the donation of money in certain amounts and whether or not, you know, tax man's going to hunt me down. Yeah. Um, so our buddy Ryan Reed has a little boy who is, I believe only five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just got diagnosed with, it's called Duchenne's, Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. Uh, so, you know, when I found that out, cause Ryan Reed lives right up the coast in Charleston from me and Bratz and he's a really good guy. You know, he was at our, you know, my wedding, um, came down for that. He's, he's just a really good dude. He's a great um, guy. Great, great guy. So when, you know, when I, he'd been, he'd been talking about it for a couple, couple weeks now, like they weren't exactly sure if it was what it was or, you know, if something else. So they finally, I guess, got some, some information and, pinpointed what exactly it was and it's uh it's extremely rare 
I think they, the stats I, I looked at because I did some reading on it um, just to get a sort of better understanding of what's going on. It only affects like 300,000 people in the world. And it seems to be a sex link thing. Like it's all boys that get it. Um, so I was, you know, talking to him and Being in, in that position as a parent, man, that's that's freaking terrifying. And I, you know, it it's tough. His, you know, Reed's got a really good outlook on it. And and with the advances they're making in medicine and stuff, you know, they're thinking that within the next like five to ten years, they're going to be making pretty decent strides um, in terms of solutions because right now there isn't any. But. Uh, I wanted to put together a, a raffle and, and raise money for them because yeah. um, usually you would go to MUSC, which is a really big like medical university hospital in Charleston, um, where they usually have a specialist for just about everything. But lo and behold, they don't for that. So they have to go to, I think, Duke, um, which is in North Carolina. Um, so... There's a lot going on there, and I, you know, he's he's our guy, and I told him myself, I was like, you know, we take care of our own and yeah, start planning and putting things in motion. So I just got to figure out in terms of like donating to something like that. You know, what's the what hoops do I have to jump through and to figure it out so we can do do it right? But yeah, if anybody has anything that they would like to donate to that, I have a list going. Um, you know, Phil has a Benchmade cigar cutter that we've been sitting on forever. Yeah. Um, I think Chris is going to put up, he mentioned a bacon line gargoyle gecko. Um, nice. I have that damn king snake from Keller <laughs> that he gave me for this raffle. It's horrible. I would love for it to be out of my room. Um, I also have a pink handled venom life gear hook we can throw in there too yes um i may put up i have some corns that i've i've had for sale i may put some stuff up i think um i mean i'm definitely gonna put something up i'm just not sure what yet um whether it'll be alive or not and then gotta figure uh figure out the you know the whole shipping thing as far as how we've done it if people have animals or not um I may talk to Mike at Reptiles Express to see if there's any way he can help us out. But yeah, um, working on getting everything together for the month of January so that come February we can run it. Yeah, um, and we'll do I think just a regular raffle, sort of how we've done them in the past. Um, that just seems to be kind of the easiest way, and we'll do it on the website. That also seemed to work out pretty well with that that May raffle we did. So yeah, yeah, uh, don't have to worry about the the social media overlords um striking us down so right yeah black box says they're in so excellent very good um yeah i don't know i mean we usually like i said we've we've donated to to asf in the past and and stuff and that's that's fine and dandy this just strikes very close to home um you know i I, when i heard about it man like and i i was talking to him about it i was just tearing up a little bit it's just that's as a parent, like that is, that's your fucking nightmare, dude. Yeah. And like having to come to grips with it and, and stuff like that. It's just, uh, as soon as, as soon as he was telling me about it, cause I, like I told him that, you know, when you figure out what's going on, you know, uh, well, you know, when you have more information and you have a better, uh, 
understanding of, of what's happening and sort of results of tests and things like that, you know, let me know. And I, I, te- I've been checking in on him periodically. And as soon as he told me, I was like, we're doing a raffle, like without yeah. a doubt, we're, we're, we're making something happen. So, yeah. Uh, and for those of you who, who don't know, Ryan, um, he's been in our community longer than Smitty and I combined. And uh, he was good friends with my late mentor. He used to live down by me. Um, he's a dart frog guy. He's a venomous guy. He's just an all around herper. And, uh, he, he works in government in animal related capacities. And he's one of the good ones who is a a wonderful liaison between legislators and herpers and keepers. And he's just, he's awesome, man. And we feel for him, you know, so just in case people were curious as to who this individual is, you know. Yeah, he and I had talked a good bit when I first, you know, we first started talking. Um, I think it was on Instagram. Um, he, uh, I was working the one of the shops one day. This was a couple of years ago, and like he just walked in, in in uniform and stuff, and he's like, "Hey, man, I'm Ryan." And I was like, "Oh," <laughs> sat there and talked to him for probably like I don't know, half hour, forty five minutes, and uh, you know, he's just he's been a good bud since. And like I said, he came to our wedding, and it was uh. He took all my when I got out of darts. He's the one that I gave all the darts to. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a really good dude. So yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Like small world stuff. Like I had only spoken to him in passing mm-hmm. through my mentor at his house. Like I would be coming to the house as he would be leaving, yeah. and uh, we when we all met up at Carpet Fest at, at Cody and Pia's. Uh, was it was a is it twenty eighteen? Was that one? Yes. Yeah. So we all met up at Carpet Fest, and we're all, you know, the the party's winding down. Everyone's sitting around the bonfire because it was just 2018 and 2019, right? There wasn't one from 2020 until now. Yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, I think it was. I think it was 2018, and we're all sitting around the the bonfire, you know, having a drink and and enjoying each other's camaraderie. And him and I started talking, and uh, I was like, man, I was like, I know, I know you. He's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, you were friends with Frank, and I was like, oh man, yeah. And he's like, does he still have, did did he what did he ever do with those those shield nose cobras? I said, I have those shield nose cobras. So like we literally passed snakes between us and didn't dude, even know just, it. didn't even know it. Just yeah. history, man. So he's he's a stand up character and he's a, a wonderful human being. So if we can help him any way we can, you know. Yeah, it's uh, and one of those things too. Like if if people end up donating animals, um, like I said, as far as the shipping situation, we'll have to figure that out. It can be a thing where it's like if you, you know, win or pay shipping, if the person who's who's donating wants to cover shipping, that's fine. If I can figure out, talk to Mike and figure out, yeah, you know, what we can do there. Uh, I guess it's going to kind of depend on how many animals we actually get. Sure, um, sure. And then, you know, basically, when it comes to these things, I try to make them as, as headache-free as possible, make it very easy for everybody. Uh, you know, if there's any issues, like the people that we we accept donations from, as far as animals go for these raffles, like we, we it's people we usually know and yeah. trust, and you know, it's not like you're gonna get a, a snake off Craigslist that's you know on its deathbed. Like we right. we make an effort to make sure that the the people that are donating animals are are on the up and up. Yes, we, we vet our donators. Yes, so. Hopefully the plan with with that the the curveball we're avoiding then is like someone wins an animal gets the animal 
animals in horrible condition or wasn't what was supposed to be doing it. Like we just, we forego all of that by yeah. making sure we know like stuff right. that's getting donated. We, we can verify that the person is, is someone we would buy from and trust. So exactly. Well said. Um, it's uh, I don't know the May one, the May raffle we did, you know, that was, I was pretty happy with, with the outcome of that in terms of just the logistics of it all and orchestrating it and stuff. And it was, it was pretty easy going. And so I want to sort of, keep that ball rolling like i said the, the biggest yeah. hurdle to me is figuring out uh you know the the donating not being a nonprofit tax stuff we'll, we'll figure it out anything yeah i mean that's yeah, something i'm not worried about it we'll figure i'm it gonna out. ask my my boss about that because he's he's done a lot of that kind of stuff so i'm gonna pick his brain tomorrow hopefully if i see him and, and see what he says so um because I've, I've tried googling it and a lot of it is stuff that's related to like nonprofits and like 5013Cs and things yeah. like that. So we'll figure it out. But I think it'll be good. Um, yeah. You know, I think even just if it helps cover, you know, gas and stuff to and from North Carolina, like perfect. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not, don't have any expectations. Uh, just trying to help her boy out, man. Yeah. Well put. Oh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. It's the perfect that that break is the perfect amount because there was man, I was, <laughs> ooh, boy, I was struggling those last couple of weeks. <laughs> I was burnt. I was like, uh. but now I've been off work for like a week and a half, and I'm so ready to get back and nice get back into the routine of things. Like I have to have a routine. I have to there is such a thing as too much time off <laughs> i get it man it's good get crazy when i get stuck at home cabin fever wonder what that's like you don't have, you have a cabin what's that you got a cabin no me neither i got a fever the only prescription there's more cabin. cowbell. On that note, this was episode 146 of Snakes and Stogies, part of the Herpeticulture Network. Uh, brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Please check them out. Use the discount code THN at checkout. Get a little bit shaved off the top. Uh, whatever you get from them, you're not going to be disappointed with it. It's, it's phenomenal quality caging that we would not be promoting them as much as we do if we did not love what they're making and they're just good people. So, uh, and speaking of good people, Peter sound pythons, check them out. Facebook, Instagram. I know Jeff has been very busy with work and stuff, so they've been kind of off the radar a little bit as of late, but I think now that we're through the holidays and stuff, we'll, we'll see more of them. Uh, we'll be here Thursday for THP uh, I think it's just going to be me and Jake. We were going to do like a one-on-one -on -one before break, but that didn't happen. So Jake got sick. Uh, so Thursday should be back. And we are, I think I need to talk to Chris about Corn Stars kickoff. I know he's itching to get back into it. I'm itching to get back into it. Man, I love doing that show. Uh, so stuff's, stuff's back in motion percolating happen that's right 
Thank you, everybody. We will see you later. Bye. First bye of the year. Oh, yeah. It's the first bye of the year. Go listen to Vim Exchange Radio episode 11. Go check it out. Bye. Do it. It's good. Really good. Bacardi and Cola. Do it. Do it.